Hello and welcome to the Straight Red podcast. In episode 23, we were joined by former Reds media and general manager Bruce Talbot. But because the questions kept flowing, we've decided to release the interview as a separate podcast. Be sure to check back for the full episode. But for now, enjoy the interview. Right. Well, we're on to the part of the podcast that I've certainly been looking forward to. It's when we specifically chat to Bruce, who is in the studio with us today as we're recording. He's already chipped in with a few wonderful comments. But um, I'll hand over to Ewan, who knows Bruce quite well from his time working together as colleagues at the uh, at the football club. So I'll let you reel off with some questions and I'll chip in where I feel needed. Yeah, I've got brilliant memories. Um, now, Bruce, <laughs> you joined not long after I did in 2010. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. you weren't there for the United game, were no, you? No, I was still working at the Argus. I was covering the club. But I'd been asked by then, around about that time, by Alan Williams to come and work for the club if they got into the Football League, which at that stage was looking very likely. So... Um, and that obviously did happen. So tell us, just begin with your initial thoughts when you came to the club, um, knowing so just like generally in terms of the operations and how things were. And did you have to re- transform everything, or what was the basis like of what you went into? Um, there wasn't many staff. There weren't many staff, and there still aren't many staff. It's a it's a small club. I mean, when I went there, I'd obviously worked with Steve Evans at the Argus. When I was working at the Argus, I was covering the club, and he. Um, he banned me once, maybe twice. We'd had a couple of disagreements. <laughs> he banned me after I um, misinterpreted one of his sendings off at Dagenham. Uh, where was it? Ebbsfleet or something like that. He rang me the next day and told me I was banned. And um, a couple of weeks later, he texted me, said, come and see me at eight o'clock tomorrow morning in the office, which I had to go and do cap in hand and <laughs> apologise. And uh, all was well. Um, but, you know, I knew Steve could be a bit, um, you know, fiery. Um but I uh, and I obviously the, the thing about Paul then Paul uh, Hayward then was it was all a little bit of a mystery to everyone as you know uh, his his identity and what have you. Our first time I met him was at um, Tamworth when we won the promotion. Uh, this is when, when you met Paul. I met Paul for the first time, but I'd spoken to him on the phone a couple of times. Um, he was very demanding, sort of owner you know he wanted th- things done just right. He had very very cer- certain views on things. I remember at the time we were. Or he he wanted the badge redone. Um, well, you were there, weren't you? There was yeah, a yeah. lot of to and fro with the designer about that. And uh, um, the website at the time was not great before we went on the Football League platform for the first time. It was totally non-league, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. The, the the structure and the setup was, uh, yeah, was still non-league. And probably not even top-end non-league. It was probably still a little bit Southern League in a way. There were very few people working there. And there's a lot to be done to get the club ready to play in the Football League. There was a hell of a lot of work that had to be... You, you remember, there was no East Stand then. That was the priority, to get more seats in the ground. I remember when people used to buy tickets, you used to handwrite the date and the name of the game on this sort of like raffle ticket. Well, it yeah, that and then far even in the Football League in the first season, if you remember, when we sold tickets at the reception, there was a big, like basically a drawing of all the seats in the stand and you sold a ticket and then you ticked off where the seat was sold. <laughs> I, I've forgotten about that. And then, and then that, yeah. wrote it down what the, the, the seat was. So, I mean, the club has come a long way in terms of it, um, the infrastructure since those days. I mean, it really was a very sort of, not amateurish, but a really sort of non-league set up and and the thing was that the infrastructure and everything like that was not really keeping pace with the football side because Paul was investing a lot of money in the football side um at, at, and and bringing in really good players which is you know why we were able to compete so quickly in league 2 and get promotion in the first season what was it like working with Steve Evans um <laughs> uh, <laughs> occasionally it could be quite quite testing um steve's very demanding um i don't know if you remember a thing they used to do he used to write a lot of stuff that went on the website he used to write um pieces when we signed players i mean i was the supposedly the press officer but i would get an email from steve saying we've signed x y or z and actually the story was written you know we have signed x y or z steve evans said his quote etc etc which is great for me i just used to cut and paste it and put it on the website um but um yeah, Steve. Steve I, I quite like Steve actually, and the, and and actually, um, I've seen him quite a few times since, and he's definitely mellowed. I know he still has his odd moments, but he's he's been such wherever he's gone, he's been successful. You know, you cannot uh, not what Steve did at Crawley and what he's done at most of his subsequent. He got Rotherham promoted with two successive promotions. Um, but yeah, there were you know once or twice. I remember a couple of games where I was really. Um, I remember he had a go at me one game. We lost at home to Torquay in the promotion season. I think I, he was being interviewed by BBC and 
there was some problem with some other filming that was going on and I walked behind the shot where Steve was and he turned around and gave me a bit of a volley of abuse and I said to Alan Williams, if he talks to me like that again, I'm, I'm leaving. And um, to be fair to Steve, he got me in the office a couple of days later and he sort of calmed down a bit and he apologised and stuff like that. But um, he could he could be a bit. Um, He's a he was a Jekyll and Hyde character. He was, wasn't yeah. he? I, I remember I only got one proper hair dryer, like spit in the face hair dryer once. Um, but then you two days lucky. later, two days later, he'd be giving me a massage in the, back in the office. It's, it's, it's absolutely. <laughs> Try and bizarre. picture that in your mind's eye, listeners. <laughs> you and getting a massage from. Uh, did he you make you take your clothes off? <laughs> no, not, not on that occasion. But no, he did. He'd start coming and give me a massage. And I remember I had this. Um, you might have been there. Might have been just before you. But I had this. Um, I was very, very. I know I'm slim now, but I was really skinny at the time, and I had like um, uh, a gilet jumper which is even tight on me. And he put it on. He put it on, right? So it stretched to like seven <laughs> times its actual size. Then he made Rainer put it on. Then Alan Williams put it on. So yeah, I all got, big I guys, got, to be fair. I got this jumper back and it was like, I could never Ten. wear it again. But um, yeah, he, he was, I mean, on a match day, he would glow red sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But then you'd be in the tunnel with him about an hour later. And it's almost like it, it's uh, uh, an alternative persona that he's yeah, putting forward yeah. just to be on the side of the I pitch. used to worry about Steve because um, he would get so stressed during a game and after a game and sometimes even before a game, you thought, crikey, the bloke's going to make himself really, really ill. But he's he's a rumbustious, you know, and he's a, uh, um, and he's got his methods and his ways and he's um, and players like playing for him, you know. You speak to the guys now, like Danny Bullman, who was there when Steve was there, and I've spoken to quite a few of the blokes that were there at that time. They love playing for him because he got the he got the you know and of course winning team and 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 Steve had the tools to get Crawley promoted. He had the finance to get us out of the league, get us out of League Two, which helps. But um, I, I you know. We, we are our moment, Steve and I, but I, I, I quite like him, actually. Um, you said there's players that do love playing for him. There were players that didn't like playing for him as well. Like uh, Willie Gibson is just one example that comes to mind well, when he was thrown into the youth team. Yeah, I think that because Steve had tried to sign Willie before at the start of the season that we got promoted from the Nash, from the conference. He tried to sign him from Dunfermline and then and didn't Dunfermline wanted more money. Um, and then he signed him in January, and I'm not sure. I remember speaking to Willie, and I'm thinking, I'm not sure he really wants it because all he talked about was, you know, uh, he'd still be able to go back to Scotland because he used to fly back after a game on a Saturday night. He'd be at Gatwick by six o'clock, getting on the next flight to, wow. to Glasgow. Um, and he had a few issues. Steve, if you remember, a midfielder, Masterton, Steve Masterton, Jamie? no, a midfield player that they signed from. Scotland. Um, he was good football. He played in the comp in the promotion winning team, but he had a few issues with gambling. And but Steve was very sort of supportive, and you know he'd help players out. And I, I think the majority of the players who played for him o over the years liked him. But there were a few who d who were a little bit who wouldn't. You know the hair dry treatment and the, and the strong arm tactics. You know it's the same in any dressing room with any manager. Some uh, some man some players don't like managers because they think they're too weak. And um, don't shout and ball enough. In, in terms of man management, Steve had a, a, clearly had a style, didn't he? And when you get players like maybe Richard Brody, who had his... He was just like, wow, Richard Brody. <laughs> Too um, much money. Yeah, maybe that is the case, yeah. But um, did he treat everybody differently or was he? did he have one style that everybody had to adhere to? Uh, I think if you weren't on board with Steve, you weren't, and you weren't part of the project, you weren't really involved at all, you know? Um, which is and players want to play, you know they don't want to sit on the in the stands every week. And um, but, but Steve got uh, you know he and he got the best out of the player. Every player he had, he made good players into you know a guy like Glenn Wilson was a terrific player for Steve because he wasn't the greatest, most talented player that was ever played for Crawley, but he worked hard and um, you know respected Steve and what he was trying to do to improve him. Um, and Steve's teams were always well organised. They were always good at set pieces. They had strength. They had characters in the side like Pablo Mills and Kyle and people like that. And of course, you know, what Steve got um, was goal scorers. Matt Tubbs came in. He was the best goal scorer in non-league football when he signed for Crawley. I think the day people, uh, the day he signed for Crawley, people knew, I think the fans and the wider football uh, sort of world knew that, that you know, Crawley was serious about, about moving on, moving on upwards. And um, it was an incredible those those two seasons were incredible. Any any highlights from you from the from the two promotion seasons? Um, 
Well, I didn't join the club until the end of the. I mean, my first game was when we beat Luton and got promoted with got presented with the the, the title at, um, at, the, at, at the stadium in uh, 2011. I think the promotion, the the Accrington game when we won one 0 that was a very very nerve wracking afternoon because we didn't play well, we didn't play great, the pitch was awful. Obviously, Steve had just left, so you know we were in a little bit of limbo. And I remember the week before we lost three 0 at home to Hereford, who were terrible and were going out of the league. And everyone thought, game, yeah, yeah, everyone thought, because that was the game that we were going to win that game and then get a point in the last game of the season and make sure we, and then we had, suddenly had to go to Accrington and win. I think in the end, the other results went our way as well. So maybe we would have gone up with a point, but um, yeah, that was a, a nerve wracking afternoon because we didn't, as I say, we didn't play well. We got one nil win and then Accrington came on at us and it was all a bit scary at the end, but job done. And um, Craig Brewster took over for a little while at the end of that season. And I'm just going to point on, there was the little incident where they had the video, I think it was, was it Scott Nielsen <laughs> singing um, something, something, the fat man's gone. Yeah. As, as, as the media guy, how do you deal with that? Because you've got to deal with the fallout of that, haven't you, I suppose? Well, I think the thing is to say about Crawley, and it's got worse over the years, is that um, the media spotlight and scrutiny on Crawley is, is really minute. And I think it's a bad thing, actually. Um, just sort of broadening in a little bit. In the last few years, the Crawley Observer, the Argus have really scaled down their coverage, mostly because of finances and stuff like that. Whereas when I start, when I was working on the paper um, covering the club, when we had the Crawley News and the Crawley Observer, I mean they were, you know, they they would get stories. They would they would find out what was going on, you know. And and in the last few years, my job, to be honest, in terms of holding off media, sort of, you know, I very rarely had to sort of say to someone, actually, that's not true, what you've read there, you know, that this, that or the other is going on. Uh, it just never happened, to be honest. Uh, the only time you, you end up doing is facilitating interviews with players or which, you know, for League Two clubs doesn't happen that often anyway. Were there, were there um, especially during those promotion years and the earlier years, were there situations where you had to sort of hold the press back from releasing a story? Um I think the only the only big thing I can remember that caused a bit of a stir was when Hope Akpan said something on his Twitter feed uh, that wasn't very um, complimentary towards gay people. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, he took the tweet down, but it, it went a bit viral and that needed to be sort of, um, you know, managed, shall we say. But very few incidents, to be honest, even after what happened at Bradford with Steve and, the, not Steve, but the players and all the... <laughs> the Battle of. The Battle of Bradford, yeah, the infamous <laughs> night uh, at Bradford, yeah, and when John Varnett got on the national news the next day with his commentary. But, um, I mean, uh, uh, you know, obviously it was, <laughs> it was a bad incident. I remember the next day, Steve... Um, we were training at Bewbush and uh, we didn't get back from Bradford till because by the time we'd left and all the, you know, we, we didn't get back to home until about half past three in the morning. So, and um, I remember getting a phone call at half past seven the next morning from BBC South East saying, um, you know, we want to come and speak to someone from the club about what happened last night. And I said, okay, let, let me see what I can arrange. And I could try to get hold of Steve, but he w there was no answer. And in the meantime, this film crew had just taken it upon themselves to, to drive down to the training ground at Bewbush to interview Steve. And Steve, I don't know what time Steve got back from Bradford, but he was on the tractor trying to mow in, just sort of mowing the pitch, um, you know, sort of trying to forget about it and, 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 um, and, and, and sort of move on. And in this, Film crew turned up, and I, I wasn't there. But I, I'm told I'm on very good authority that Steve chased them off. They drove the tractor <laughs> towards them, and they beat a hasty retreat back to their production uh, vehicle. I mean, he was a character, wasn't he? I mean, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to bring it up. Um, a few times, I would go to the training ground, and he'd be mowing it. Yeah, yeah. I think he liked to relax. I think it sort of took it, you know, took it, took it away. You know, took away a little bit of the stresses and stuff because Steve was a very, very avid gardener. Know, uh, I'm not sure about Abby Gardner. What he used, he, he, you know, going back to what he said, I don't know if you remember Gaffer's Sunday Update uh, that used to oh, go on the website every Sunday. Yeah, Gaffer's yeah. Sunday Update, which basically was Steve. If, if after we'd had a bad result the day before, which didn't happen very often, but when we did, you know, like we got humped at Morecambe 6-0 that time with quite a weak side. Charlie Wasmer got uh, yeah, done, yeah, didn't Yeah, it was a great day. Um, Steve sometimes would keep his uh, post-match interviews very, very short and sweet. Um, very, very short and sweet. But then he would have a think about it on the way home and then he'd write something the next morning and send it over and it, I'd get a phone call or a text from him at looks like, oh, this is on Sunday morning, probably the only day off I had during the week at sort of 7, 7.15 in the morning. 
can you put this on the website? Or no, not can you put this on the website? It was normally, is it on the website yet? So I had to get up, bloody cut and paste this thing, which is great. Because, like I say, you know, I didn't have to do anything to it. Cut and paste it, stick it on it. Yeah, Gaffer Sunday update. And it's funny because when he, when he went to Rotherham, uh, I remember Matt Young, who now works at Sheffield United, um, who was a Rotherham press officer, said to me, what's he like? And we, I said, he's all right, you know, you'll find <laughs> out, etc. I couldn't really say... You know, I just told him you'll find out. I said, but don't don't um, ever forget to put up Gaffer's Sunday update as soon as you get it. And he goes, and he said, what do you mean? He said, oh, you'll find out. And anyway, of course, a couple of weeks <laughs> later, first looked at the Rotherham website. There it is, Sunday. They just lost Gaffer's Gaffer Sunday update. But yeah, no, he was um, he was. I like you have to say that we had a few run-ins, Steve, and he could be. You know, everyone knows what he was like, but he 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 was all right. He was. I, yeah. I quite liked. I mean, him. you're smiling throughout telling us all that, so it's clearly fond memories. Of yeah, working yeah. With Steve Evans. But, but you know, there were successful times. You were there, you, and it was a great time to be part of Crawley it Town, was, wasn't it? Absolutely. You know, was, and your yeah, job yeah. was easy. Sponsors were queuing up. Hey, well, all your right, job. Right. Your, we'll come on to that in a minute. But your <laughs> job was easier. Because people wanted to sponsor the club. We were a, a good news story, weren't we? The club was going, in, you know, the Man United thing. The club were going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I can honestly say I'm probably one of the worst salesmen in the country, but <laughs> I did all right those you couple of right. years. I did okay. <laughs> um, now, that's Steve Evans, but during your sort of almost nine years, you probably worked, was that like a dozen, maybe more than a dozen <sighs> I managers? I think it might have been 13 or something do, like do that. Any, do any other stick out for good or bad reasons? Um I, I don't think I, I got on with most of the managers at Crawley. I must admit. Who did you get on with best? Um, I get asked this a lot. I'd say Richie Barker I got on well with, very well with. I, and I'm still in touch with Richie now. Um, I think that will surprise a few people because I think he wasn't a very open character to... So yeah, he, he didn't come across as somebody you'd get on with. I, like I liked him because he was, you know, he was quite blunt, Steve, uh, Richie. You know, he's called a spade a spade. And I, li I like that. He was never good. He was never... Um, uh, he, he was always good to deal with. I mean, we had that issue when he banned the Crawley News. I don't know if you remember that when Richie was, uh, when Kaylee uh, Seckington, um, she sort of overstepped the mark. Really, she wasn't banned from the from the matches. She was still able to report the matches, but she didn't get any. wasn't allowed any access to the players, and that that was probably as big a, a sort of crisis as anything at Crawley because that really blew up. In that was a national story in the end. It was, I remember driving home from playing cricket one just a couple of days later and um, it was on, they were on Talk Sport talking about it. You well, know. What was the story? Just um, Because uh, um, Richie, uh, I think she missed, I can't remember, she either misquoted someone or something like that and Richie had got a, a, a few things she'd written that Richie wasn't very happy with. Anyway, one day, he, he, that was it, he blew his stack. He said, I don't want her in the... She can come to the matches, she can report on the game, but she's got no access to players, so she can't come to press conferences or something like that. And, of course, the crawling news, as I would have done if I'd been in her position, working in a paper, straight across the back page, next, banned, exclamation mark, you know, our, our reporter, not allowed to blah, blah, blah. And it got picked up nationally, in, you know, in those sort of early days of social media, there was a bit of a bit of momentum with it. It calmed down in the end, but, um, yeah, that, that was quite a big thing. Uh, yeah, Richie wasn't pop. Uh, I, I don't understand that because we had a good season and a half under Richie. I think the f the football was boring from what I can remember. I think yeah, the I football. Think was when he finally got sacked, I think we hadn't scored in seven no, games. We'd had a, we'd had a bad run. We hadn't, we weren't many, winning many games. Uh, the trouble was that we the, the the season before because we'd done so well that just creates expectation. People think, well, you know, we've got promoted to League Two. We're doing really well in our first season in League One. We're winning at places like Preston's, unheard of, you know. Next season, oh, we're going. And when it doesn't happen. And, and, and you've always got that problem at Crawley because the fan base is so small. There is only, a, I think there's only a sort of limit to how, how much you can, you can grow the club, you know? Yeah, so like a poison chalice maybe, because even where we are now is probably where Richie kind of left us. Well, he was obviously in League One, you Yeah, know? but in that sort of, sort yeah, of position, yeah. but uh, maybe people's um, uh, sort of expectations have sort of mellowed a little bit now and more, uh, be, more uh, realistic maybe. As I say, I, I got on with most of the managers. I think, and I think if I, you know, if I rang any of them up today and said and asked for a favour or something like that, they would help out. Um, I got the only reason I say Richie is because I still sort of, you know, I see him at cricket now and again at Hove in the summer. But I've gone well with John Gregory. I, I like working with John. John Gregory, one of the nice, guy, one yeah. of the nicest guys I've ever met. And I'll tell you a little story. Once I was, um, I was reversing my car right the front, and um, I clipped the back of his Audi. I was like, oh, fuck. Um, oh, oh, my what? God, do I tell him or I just hide it? Because it, it, it made a big scratch on the back of the tiny little dent as well. So I moved my car away. thought, oh, my God, do I tell him, don't I? And I thought, right, I've got to go and tell him. So I went into his office and I said, um, really sorry, John, I've, I've just clipped the back of your AD. And he said, 
Don't worry about it. John had plenty Didn't of care. Money. John had plenty of Couldn't money. Couldn't care less. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, thank God for that. Um, if Steve would never act like that, I don't think. Um, no, probably but not. Just <laughs> would he the, have an Audi, though? Uh, he, had, he had like a... Evo, Evo, Evo something, something yeah, a big Range Rover or something, a big black Range Rover, yeah. But one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. W- was there a manager that was, maybe that you didn't get along with, but was just more difficult to deal with, wouldn't want to do the press and uh, those sort of things. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, going after that, Dean Saunders, people didn't like him. I thought he was, I liked Dean as well. Uh, Mark Yates I liked because he used to play for Birmingham, so we had a connection there. And he came in at a difficult time, so a Dermot the same. The only one who was a little bit exacting, shall we say, was probably Harry Kuehl. Um Harry um, set very high standards in everything that he did. Um, he wasn't really a great one for, um, you know, being around other people at the club, he, he would have his office at the far end of the corridor and you'd spend most, when he wasn't training, he'd be down there. You'd very rarely see him even in the, you know, in the office where everyone else worked. Did he set the standards too high? Maybe uh, he came from I Premier think he was a little bit from. unrealistic in, in what uh, Crawley could do. I mean, the big problem for Harry was, was always the training facilities. Um, Harry, Harry wanted the best. And, and unfortunately, the best wasn't available. I mean, uh, a couple of the second summer he was there, we worked really hard. I remember going down to um, Worth School to try and use one of the pitches there um, to get it, get it into shape. We were going to use Ben, our groundsman, to help. Um, Harry was initially quite keen because it's a nice area. You know, it's a lovely setting, et cetera, et cetera. It's not far from the stadium. Ten minutes of train at the train, get changed and then drive down there. And that was all done. And then we had a really, really dry, hot summer. Um, and it was difficult because we couldn't get any water. There was no water. It wasn't even a, a you know a, a mains water to 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 get hoses and stuff on there. So he he he, got, he was a little bit fed up about that. Uh, we ended up training at Beddington up near in Surrey. Yeah, we had a spell there uh, early part of that year because everywhere was so wet that winter. But they were on chalk up on the North Downs and the players were driving up to 40, 45 minutes just near Croydon to train at Beddington Cricket Club for about three months that year. Um, that, that's, I think that's until the Horsham thing came along. And Ga- when Gabby said to, to me and to Kelly and to Joe, I'm quite happy to train on 4G, that is, and I knew about Horsham that they were building a 4G. Um, I went over there with Joe and then Joe did a really good deal and a really good agreement, which is still in place. And hopefully it will be for a while. But you just don't know. John Yems is obviously quite happy to train there. But the next manager might say, no, I want to train on grass. And then you're back. Until you've got that proper training ground and that in really big piece of infra- infrastructure in place, it's going to be difficult. Um, in the latest episode of A Bit of Bully, there, um, Harry Maynard has a really good chat with um, Danny Bullman and Joe McNerney where they're, they're they're taking the piss out of Harry a little bit, really. Was he a good man manager? Or because uh, if, even if that, even if not long down the line, people are managers, um, sorry, players are taking the miss a piss a bit out of managers. That doesn't say a lot for when he was at the. Well, club. the only thing is, I mean, you, you know, Joe obviously didn't play much under Harry, um, so you know, when players aren't playing under certain managers, you're not necessarily going to have a very good opinion of them. I think Harry did well. If you remember that start of the a year, about three years ago, we, we won about seven or eight games in a row or something like that, didn't we? We were in away from home, had a really good look like we were going to kick on, but we didn't. Um, he didn't have a great relationship with the fans, though, did he? There was a, I'm thinking about this one particular incident where he went over to a fan and away game. Oh, at Wickham, there, yeah, there was, yeah. There was never this... I mean, oh, I, thing, I was in New York at the time. I remember having to deal with a fallout from that. That I was mean, quite, quite bad. One thing to be said um, for Gabby, especially in the early days, his interaction with the fans is fantastic. and we, Everybody absolutely loved him. He was such a friendly guy. You never got that with Harry. You never got that no, emotion. No, no. I think... Um, but I, I tell you what, if, if Notts County hadn't come in for Harry, he'd probably still be manager now, to be honest. Um, I, I, you know, I thought thought he was he was good at his job. I mean, him and Warren worked really well. Com- two completely different characters. You know, Harry was very serious and very driven and professional. Harry, and I mean, I'm not saying Warren wasn't professional, but he would, you know, he'd have a laugh. You know, he'd come down to the office, walk around with just his underpants on after he'd been to the gym and stuff like that. Well, honestly, he would do that, and people were walking in and buying tickets, and he'd turn around, "How you doing?" You know, and shake their hand and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, Warren was Warren was. A, I like Warren. I, he was very sort of um, uncomplicated bloke, but I, I, I quite like Warren. And um, the last manager you were working under, Gabriel Choffey, absolutely lovely guy. Um, what do you think of his tenure at the club? Do you think it was cut short too early, or should he have left sooner? Uh, than that? Difficult to say, to be honest. Um, Gabby had a certain way that he wanted. Gary was Gabby. I think Gabby is 
of all the managers in the last few years, Gavi did more to sort of professionalise and really try and make the club, you know, with the training ground and stuff like that. I mean, the players, I think probably the players over were overworked a little bit. They they didn't have too many days off under Gavi. They were in most Sundays. Um, uh, some managers operate, operate differently, but Gavi was very professional. We were trying to do, it didn't happen in the end, but we were... We were trying to work last year on a, on a, a we were going to go to Italy for a training camp, you know, for overseas, which was unheard of. Gabby was trying to get sponsorship for it. In fact, he had got some sponsorship for it himself, not relying on, on, on the club to pay for it. Um, and, uh, but, you know, he had a few injuries. Ashley Addison was injured at the start of the season and got another injury. One or two players weren't playing particularly well. And I, I don't think Gabby ever, you know, he could never really settle on the formation or personnel. Um, but he'd, he'd only been there sort of what 15 months I don't think that's necessarily long enough I think the thing is as well by when Gabby got sacked I think people knew that we weren't going to get relegated that year so there was an opportunity to, for whoever it was to sort of build and try and you know get players you know get a proper system and, and stuff integrated I like Gabby he's a really really of all the guys that are, you know who, who of all the managers have been there he, all the staff who work there now they will all say the same thing about him he is a really, really nice fella. I think unquestionably people will say he did a lot more behind the scenes than people correct. give him credit for. Yeah, correct. He um, did. What happened between him and Philippe Moraes? Um I don't know, to be honest. Uh, the thing with players, Ewan, is that I never really, I mean, I never really try to get too close to players because at that level particularly, players come and go so much. They can be here one minute and away the next. Um, Phil wasn't playing regularly, which obviously he didn't, um, think was good. He's a senior pro, pro. He was signed with a bit of a fanfare when he came down here. It was quite a coup when Crawley signed him uh, because he got a really good... He played in the Championship the year before, so he dropped me down two divisions and Phil embraced it. He moved down here. Um, I think Phil wanted to move back. I think Phil's family circumstances, I think Phil wanted to to move to move back north. He was quite a big character in the changing room as well. Uh, but, you know, I don't think they have fell out as such. Um, there were a few rumours about it, but I never saw... You know, Phil was very professional. Um, um, sometimes players and managers just don't get on, do they? Oh, and we sort of got the inkling that maybe he didn't have a great relationship with um, Jimmy Smith either. Was that was that well? A, a factor I mean, in Phil, going if you away? remember, like most of the, Gabby's main only season in charge, Phil, uh, Jimmy was injured, wasn't he? Just, Jimmy didn't play much, and when players aren't injured, you know, man, they don't play, most managers don't give a great deal of thought thought to them. Uh, he came back at the end of the season in the very last game, didn't he? Came on for the last couple of minutes, but got injured again at the start of this season. So. Again, I don't think there was a, 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 a fundamental problem between Gabby and Jimmy, but, but Jimmy was just wasn't didn't play much for Gabby, did he? Yeah. Um, so plenty of managers you worked with. Um, also during your time, several um, chief execs <laughs> as well. So not chief as many. Execs, no, but three or four. Wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? yeah, yeah, all different. You know, Any, anybody sort of. I don't want to say that you preferred, but any operated better in the terms of sort of league um, football than others. I think it all came to the club at different times. I mean, Alan Williams was there when the club was on a high. You know, and Alan was a great enthusiast and, a, 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 um, and you know, he, he got the staff motivated. Um, you know, the big thing that Alan did, I think, for the club was get that East Stand built because without it, we, you know, we might have lost our league status because there wasn't any, we needed to get more seats in. And Ali, Alan was great with the fans, you know, he'd go and talk to them, he'd go in the, the, the terraces before the game and he'd hear their grumbles, he'd go into Reds Bar and stuff like that, which I think, you need to do. And then Richard Lowe came in. No one knew much about Richard. And he was a great one for, you know, worked really hard, didn't he, Richard? You were there at mm -hmm. the time. I mean, his brother Danny was sort of, he would he was a bit like Steve. He was on the pitch at half four in the morning, cutting yep. it in the mm -hmm. middle of the summer. We'd have, I remember we used to have meetings every day, didn't we? Do you remember? Start yeah, half meetings eight, yeah. half eight in the morning every day. Didn't get paid any extra, did we? No, <laughs> we didn't, no. But you're on obviously you're on a massive commission for your commercial work at the time, <laughs> so it didn't really bother you. But no, we uh, you know, uh, meetings every day for th with three or four people. You know what? What's different from yesterday? That you know, especially in the summer when there's no football going on. But I quite like Richard. Again, he worked really hard for the club. You know, he wasn't there very long. I mean, I know that a lot of the fans had a problem with Michael Dunford, but I have to say, Michael was—I I like Michael. He was a great guy. I really, really enjoy. I enjoyed working for the You, know, that, you think Michael Dunford was a great guy to work for? You think if he'd been a player, where he'd been, where he'd, the clubs he'd worked at, like Everton and Birmingham and Derby, and how long he'd been in football, if that was a player equivalent to Crummy to Crawley, you go, wow, how have we managed to sign him? I think it, one thing that the only thing I think let him down, maybe from my point of view, was um, he was about twenty years behind on yeah, a lot of things. A, a little, for for yeah. example, remember <laughs> when when we did that tweet about the Bale, Messi, and Ronaldo coming? 
Cameron yeah, Crawley. He didn't understand that and at all, did we, he? We went in and spoke to him. And he said, um, oh, Michael, we've just, um, it's, this has gone like, this has gone it's international. Yeah, yeah. 15,000 retweets. It's making news in America and Australia. What's Twitter? <laughs> 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 he had no idea. No. Had no idea what we were doing. He didn't. Michael's, and, um, Michael's from a different era, shall we say, but very, very professional, very, very professional. Um, I mean, we used to have so many good chats because he was at Birmingham um, when Birmingham were in the Premier League. I mean, I remember him, we would, we would talk for hours about, you know, players and stuff like that. So, this is absolutely brilliant. I know? remember once when we were thinking of some new ways to make a bit of extra cash as well, and he suggested doing the Golden Goal and, and buying them little, buying paper tickets, going around selling paper tickets in the stands to the Golden Goal. Yeah. Um, but it was like, you couldn't find anybody that made them because it was like 20 years ago. <laughs> but um, lovely guy, really enjoyed it, and he, he gave me some um, great opportunities. I'm still in touch with Michael, actually, I spoke to him a few weeks ago because um, um, he didn't realise I'd left the club and uh, he rang to find out what I was doing and stuff like that. And then he rang up after Kelly had left. Um, but yeah, I, I like, he was a really professional guy, Michael, you know, a very he, old school. But um, he did not have the relationship with the fans that the likes of no. Alan did, though, for example. No, he didn't. And, and, and the thing about Michael is he came to the club at a difficult time. You know, we were, we, you know, the budget had been cut. Um, we were heading out of League One. It was difficult to sort of manage, expect, you know, people were getting it all of a sudden, you know, in, the, the curve was starting to go back down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, 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 as I say, I quite liked him. <laughs> and uh, finally, owners Paul. First of all, Hong Kong Paul. Like you said earlier, when you when you came into the club, it was it was a really weird time. I remember we couldn't even sort of say his name in the office. It no, was strange, but so obviously yeah. that that sort of um, diluted over time. But an exciting time. I've got such good memories of um, working with Steve and Alan and, and Hong Kong Paul as well. And Just me. a great and you, um, <laughs> such a great time at the club though, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like I like Paul. Um, he, he he was very demanding, but you know that's why he's been successful. Um, in what he's done, and, and maybe in hindsight, if we, we, you know, go and put the clock back seven or eight years, and he was still owner, and he'd been a bit, you know, he'd been a bit more um, high profile, shall we say, and a bit more prepared to sort of say who he was and what he did, and uh, uh, you know, all the time there was that sort of mystery element. The fans were never quite sort of on board, but I mean, he put so much money and so much time and effort into the club, you know, and he was so enthusiastic, and he wanted things done right, didn't he? Yeah, it, it wasn't just money from afar. He was. Always, always involved in almost every single yeah, aspect of what was, was happening, yeah. and, and turning the club from non-league into a very professional football club. Yeah, yeah. When uh, when you got when Paul, when you WhatsApp pinged and Paul's on the end of it. Actually, what he made us do, I remember joining the club, and he said, "I had an iPhone," and he said, "You can't use, you can't have an iPhone." I said, "What?" He said, "No, no, you've got to have a BlackBerry Messenger Same, yeah. because um, that's how I communicate with everyone." So I'd never used a Black, so I had to. We paid for it, which was fine. I had to go in the day. Didn't I pay for mine. Didn't he? Well, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Two days after I started, I had to go into Crawley and, and get a BlackBerry Messenger. And a couple of days later, he, he, the first message comes up from Paul. And honestly, when you, when he got, when he was on one of those, um, you, you, bing, you forget bing, about bing, the next bing, two hours. Bing, <laughs> ping, 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 ping. But uh, <laughs> he, he was great. And um, yeah, I, 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 you know, and obviously he's, he's got back involved again, which is absolutely brilliant. You know, he, he, he's, he loves the club, you know. Um, I think if the club was ever in a really, really difficult position, a really, really serious financial position, say one day the current owner, Mr. Aaron, said, that's it, I'm walking away from it, no more funding. I'm sure Paul, I'm sure, and I like to think, I'm sure that Paul would, would step in. He wouldn't want to see the club. Because a, the, the, a lot of the hard work that was done at the start was done, you know, using his finance and his ideas and his enthusiasm. Uh, yeah, he's, and, you know, you, you're still in touch with him, so am I. He, he likes the gossip and stuff like that. He's a great guy, <laughs> even um, though he's a Villa fan. And we, we've got a question from Paul a little bit later, actually. <laughs> no. um, worked under Paul, worked under Zaya and Erdem and Salim as well. What's the what's the major difference from those two ownerships, from your point of view? Um, well, Paul's very proactive and very out there and always wanted to know what was going on. Uh, Zaya, far less so. He's he's more than happy to leave the operation um, to to Erdem and uh, to Nukan and Salim. To, Does to he have any day-to-day -day input? Uh, not Well, he didn't have with the day-to-day -day input with the, uh, with the staff. The only time we ever saw or heard him when he was when he, when he came to games. And even then, you know, he wouldn't spend, because he didn't speak English, um, he wouldn't spend a great deal of time, you know, chit-chatting with us or or anything like that. Um, he was a little actually last season he was a little bit more um, a proactive I remember doing an interview with him with uh, Erdem translating and that was probably the only time that I sat down and asked him questions you know what are your plans for the club you know what's going to happen with this what's going to happen with that um, and, and obviously he answered them um, but uh, you know very um, I, I think 
all I'll say about um, Mr. Erin is, I mean, he's got the, he, you know, at, at times when the club haven't been doing very well, he gets, a, he's had a bit of a bad rap from, from the supporters. But I will say one thing for him. All the time I worked there, we never got paid late. We're always paid on time. And I can tell you, I know you, 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 you read about clubs like Berry and Bolton and Southend and all these baskets, basket case clubs that don't pay and, and they're months behind in wages and stuff. And there are a lot more clubs where that happens sporadically than ever gets publicised. But all the time I worked there for him and even for Paul, to be fair, there was never, ever, everyone always got paid on time. And at League Two, I mean, I would go to League Two grounds three or four years ago and speak to press officers and at clubs you you knew were struggling and said, oh, we didn't get paid this month or wages are a month late or something like that. Not them been paid for six months, but, you know, there was always an issue with finances. Happened uh, probably half a dozen, dozen, ten clubs that I can name. Do you think Which maybe the, the owners, and I'm talking, I know Zai is the owner, I'm talking about Salim and Odom here as well. Do you reckon they don't get enough credit or they're people are a bit too harsh on them sometimes? Because I know we, we are on the on the podcast as well uh, sometimes. Yeah, um, you know, that, that's part of ownership of a football club. What I, what I really, I wish I'd spoke Turkish and I wish I could have sat down with them and said, what you know? What are you what are you actually getting out of owning this football club? What is it? In, what is in it for you? Because you're putting in, I don't know, hundred grand a month to keep the club going, a, a million pound, one point two million pound a year. What are you actually getting? What you know? Is it pride or is it a, a, a thing in Turkey that gives you a bit more you know status or or, or something? And, and the other thing is, what what are the plans? Where do you see Crawley in? I don't know, three years, five years. You know. Well, we were we were told at the start we sort of joke about this now we were given the the 10 year championship plan when you heard that first of all what were your thoughts optimistic <laughs> uh, i think you know it's it's good to be um you know to be positive you think you've got to set, send a positive message um it's all it's going to be difficult and and if you want to get the club into the championship you're talking you know having to invest millions and millions of pounds not just in the club you can't run a championship club Without a training ground, for instance, you'd have to build a new stand. You'd have to get corporate boxes in. You'd have to do so much more to sort of, you know, make the club uh, survive at that level. And that's a, it's a big, big, um, big, big. And I think maybe he thought, I don't know, comparing it with Turkish football, I don't know, but maybe the step from our level in Turkey to the second level in Turkey is a lot easier to make than it is is in this country. And if I may chip in briefly, um, talking about ownerships, you know, Paul obviously being a sort of unofficial benefactor with the current regime, is that striking any sort of bad nerves with the, the current ownership, having someone else sort of meddling in a way with uh, what the funding is? Uh, I don't think I don't think it's meddling. I mean, he just wants to help, doesn't he? And and, and anything that, that reduces the financial burden on the club is, is I don't think that the, the current owner's got a problem with it at all. I think the, the feeling I got from the forum was, Zai's putting all this money in um, and then Paul is there saying, right, I'll pay for this, I'll pay for that. And the fans love him for it. But Zai's putting more money in. in the yeah, and I can, see that that, yeah, I can see that argument. And I, I, if I was Zai, I'd be thinking, well, hold on a minute. You know, I've put best part of four million pound in the club in the last three years, which is probably even still less than what Paul put in in the previous years. But that's still a hell of a financial commitment. And maybe I should get a little bit more, um, you know, praise or you know, um, for, for, for what for what I've done. Now, one thing we've still not really gotten to the bottom of, um, what people kind of do behind the scenes, we, we have asked it at the forum as well. Can you give us a bit of insight? Because Salim's job role has changed about four times. So we had the sort of the joke about a month ago where the, the, the job title's changed. What, what does everybody do from inside the club? Um, I think that Salim is really concentrates and, and Erdem to a certain extent really concentrate on the football side and that's what they're good at recruitment identifying players trying to sell players on because we are a selling club and we always will be i think or you know unless something dramatic happens we're always going to have to try and and, and the model that they put in uh, whereby they they trawl through non-league football uh you know football overseas countries like holland where we've got nzo from and players like that and then sell those players on i think overall over the last three or four years i think that's been pretty successful to be honest we've sold some players for some really good fees in that time and there's hope that you know there's one or two in the current squad that we could do uh, do as well so Salim and Erdem really are. That's that's their back. That's their their. Uh, that's what they're good at. Uh, I don't think you know that. Then they will probably admit it that they're that the day to day, you know, running of you know who's going to fix the toilets in the stand, who's going to you know repair this, who's going to repair that. I don't really think that they're that bothered, interested in that, which is fair enough. They, everyone's got their own strengths. So who does that? Uh, well, at the moment, it's probably Tom. Um, he he is effectively. 
well, he's sort of... Communications, <laughs> marketing and general manager all rolled into all, one? Pretty much, yeah. I think Tommy's doing a lot of the donkey work at the moment. Uh, and he's, you know, for someone of his age, um, he's 24, I think he's done a really good job. Um, Tom, Tom is very quiet and a sort of unassuming bloke, but he's, he's switched on, Tom. And, and people like him at the club. Um, but yeah, he's probably the guy that he, the day-to-day stuff like that, he, he's, he's doing at the moment. Claire helps out a lot. I think she does a lot of the financial side. Look, I don't really know is the answer because I don't work there anymore. Uh, Nukan was always Mr. Erin's sort of go-to, um, person, you know, he's sort of, cause he'd worked with him before. Um, but what he actually does on a day-to-day basis at the moment, uh, I, you know, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, when you left, of course, that left Tom in charge of um, communications as well as marketing. He's got a lot to do, hasn't he? Do you think that's fair? Well, I think, and Tom will probably say this, he's pro- the job that he was employed to do is marketing, and he's not done a great deal of that in the last few months because he's not had the time to do it. No, it probably isn't. Um you know, there is a, it's a very, and there always has been a very, you, when you worked there, we never had sort of more than four or five employees, employees at the club. Um, what we probably, what I would say if I were there and a staff member now is that we lack someone to sort of rally around, someone to give us instruction, not so much to tell us what to do, but to sort of lead us and It was like a general us. manager, yeah, maybe. basically. Someone who's going to make the decisions. Or an operations director, maybe. <laughs> whatever, whatever title you want to call them, Ewan. Um, very well, leading no, I, I remember me and you used to go um, and take that broken ladder and change the sign at the front of the range yeah, well, well, like Ken, Ken and Pete do that now and they do a very good job of that. <laughs> and like you say it's just chipping in now three days um, um, do you leave before or after Kelly was it no I left I, my last game was the last the Saturday after Kelly left Kelly left on the Tuesday and I left on the Saturday can you shed any light on that because w- the initial that, that, that statement that was made you know the one I'm referring to when we said financial difficulties um, the reason for Kelly leaving that was retracted in terms of financial difficulties it wasn't replaced with anything um, fully aware it's going through probably still the courts and things like that and at the forum um it was alluded to that we might get more information in the future. But what are your thoughts on the way that happened? Uh, it wasn't handled very well. And, and, and I think Erdem and, and Nukan and, and Mr. Emerald will probably say in hindsight, yeah, we should have done that a little bit, that a lot better than, than it was done. Um, look, it's his money. He puts the, he can hire and fire who he likes. And if he doesn't want, to, he, he does, he, if he thinks or thought that the club could operate as well without Kelly there, then it's you know that's that's his prerogative to make to make that decision. And you could argue, um, looking at it from the outside and looking at it in the round at the moment, it, the club is functioning. You know, it wasn't the sort of you know. I remember you know one or two fans reading one or two things. Oh, you know, it's going to be terrible. This isn't going to get done. That isn't going to get done. As far as I know, everything's operating as normal. Um, I just felt you know because Kelly loved the club. You know, she she really really loved the club. She would. Uh, she worked she because basically she was doing three jobs she was financial she did all the financial stuff she was club secretary so you know she, and she signed players and transferred players which is you know a lot of paperwork involved which you've got to get right and she was almost when I went back to do my old role of doing the media she was a general manager as well uh, and she did all three all three jobs um, and did them very very well now, you remove Kelly and you remove yourself from the situation. It leaves two massive, massive holes which haven't been replaced. How do they operate long-term without you guys? It, <sighs> it just seems well, it seems not possible in the long-term. Maybe has it just been held up with sticks at the moment? Well, I mean, you know, going back to what I just said, I mean, on the face of it, things aren't a great deal different, are they? The matches are still getting played. There's no problems with... Um, From the outside looking in, it looks like that. But if you are you in touch with the guys uh, inside yeah, the Yeah, I mean, I still see, t- see Tom a lot. You can see little things like, you know, that because people haven't got time to do stuff, you know, the website isn't updated very often. Um, bits and pieces like that. But the major things, um, the thing is, at a football club, as you know, a lot of the major things to get the season organised all take place in the summer. Um, I think what will be interesting is what happens going forward, you know, in terms of, because at the end of the season, players will leave, other players will be signed. There's a lot of paperwork involved with that. Who's going to who's gonna do all the paperwork for that in terms of setting the budgets and stuff like that? I imagine that's something that Nukan, Erdem and, and Salim will, will sort out between them. Will there be a bigger playing budget next year? Will there be a smaller playing budget? And then you go down to the little things, you know, like the website, the programme and, and, and sponsorship, kit. Uh, I think the kit deal's all sorted. I think Joe's done all that. 
Um, but, you know, season ticket prices, they've got to be announced soon. I, you know, I'll, I, I know it's a big bugbear with a lot of supporters that, that, that we charge too much to get in. And there might be an argument for saying, actually, let's bring the prices down. I'm not sure that would necessarily get more people in the ground. I saw on social media a few fans upset with how poorly stocked the club shop is. Is that something that, again, again but is that, one that, of those I mean, things? No, yeah, and, and every year we run, you know, this time of the season when there's you know, there's no point in reordering because, you know, you sell, as you know, you, at Crawley, we sell stuff apart from shirts in such really relatively small quantities. We are, we are ordering from Array or were the smallest quantities that we can, we can get because there is no, I mean, the amount... <laughs> You could fill a room this size with the, with the, all the old kit and all the old stock over the years that I was there that we end up taking down to the Sussex FA to, to ship out to the kids in Africa and stuff like that. And that's money, you know. That's all the triple XL size shirts. Yeah, well, all that sort of stuff. But that's money that, you know. So you've got to be very careful when you're ordering stuff like that because it's a big financial commitment to make. And if you've got tons of stock that's unsold, um, my advice for that is, of course, get your stuff in sort of August, September when there's a decent supply and all the sizes are there because after that, it, sort of, it does dwindle away a little bit. Um, now Did I answer your question? What yes, was the it, original no, question? It was... About Kelly, yeah. Something about that. Um, Great <laughs> loss to the club, Kelly, really. <laughs> and, and she's working again in football, I think. Um, Where's she? Yeah, she's at uh, Gillingham, funnily enough, with Steve Evans um, and enjoying herself. Uh, I spoke to her a couple of weeks ago and... Uh, but yeah, a really, really great, a great person to work with, you know, really, really ni- nice person. Her but and Kelly's family, great. And you say great loss, and sincerely, you are to the club as well. It's, it's a massive, well, it's very it's nice a massive of you to say so, uh, And it, it seems that the club are trying to do a lot with apprentices and um, I don't want to say free work, but people getting work experience doing roles, especially like the social media side of things. And you've had some brilliant apprentices and sidekicks in your time, gone on to do incredible stuff. Um, that must be something that when you walk away or walked away, Really proud of that. That's probably the big, big, biggest thing I'm most proud of, to be honest. I mean, starting when you were there, we had a guy called Tom Biggs who came from university, and Tom's now working doing the social media for the FA. And then we had Ben Blackboy, who's uh, done really well, just started a new job at the Racing Post, again in social media. The thing I... And then we had um, uh, Warren, who's now at Blackburn, running their media. Alex, um, who I work with another club in Sussex uh, at the moment again fantastic on social media Tom himself um, and there were others um, I'm trying to think of the names because Harry Maynard Harry Maynard yes works for Talk Sports Sammy Bruff doing brilliant videos at uh, Millwall I mean, what I tried to do when they all came in and to Joe Reed, um, forgot, don't want to forget Joe because he was a nice fellow. He's now working for Now TV. What I said to them when they came in was you can do as much or as little as you like. You know, I, I won't I'll guide you. I won't stop you doing stuff and you'll make mistakes, um, but just learn and 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 six months experience at the club. You'd be surprised how far that will get you. You know, I never encourage them to stay any longer than a season and none of them ever did. And some didn't last very long into the season before they moved on. Like Tom wasn't there too long, was he? Tom, four or five months. But brilliant, you know, and great, great. To, and in touch, still in touch with all of them. And, you know, just to give them that start in their careers, you know, because we're all that age at 20, 18, 19, 20, or just coming out of university. Um, you want to leg up because it's a very competitive industry. I remember Tom particularly, because I think he was obviously your first kind of apprentice. And uh, like you said, he wasn't at the club long, but he made a big difference. And that was the start of social media. And he just started doing some different things that we yeah. now continue to do to this day yeah, as yeah. well. I think that, um, I think Tom, I think all of them were excellent. Um, social media, I mean, Alex was brilliant in social media and, and still is. Um, I um, they all and they all had different strengths, you know. Like Sammy, the videos that he used to do were way, way better than for a sort of lower average League Two club. Um, and they've all, you know, the best thing is they've all gone on. They've all improved. They're not, you know, they're not still working at League Two football clubs. They're all doing really good jobs and, and enjoying themselves. And hopefully, we sort of played a part in that. And um, talking about social media, let's move on to a bit of bully. Um, <laughs> who, whose idea was to, well, to do a podcast? Uh, I, I think you should be, you know, was it? Um, I can't remember all the phrases, but anyway, we looked at your podcast and thought, well, we should be doing that because we've got access to the players. And I, and that was my idea. Uh, it might have been Tom's idea, but anyway, between us, we said, let's do, let's do a podcast. It can't be that difficult, you know. Tom's quite Wee. good with all the, um, well, no, no, <laughs> but Tom's quite good with all the, you know, the yeah. technical side of it. 
And uh, we didn't spend a lot on our equipment, unlike your fantastic facilities here at uh, the Breathe Studios, Ewan. Um, <laughs> I think our total outlay was about 150 quid, which is why the quality was crap. Um, I but I enjoyed that. I, well, <laughs> I, I enjoyed doing them. Um, they weren't great. In t- I'll just say, you weren't great. In t- you know, we didn't have any music and stuff. We did, I think we had a little bit of music. But what we had got was, were, were players. And I think the best one we did, because um, he bully. Bully was quite keen, but Bully actually is quite a sort of, you know, Bully doesn't like publicity and he's quite shy and reserved, actually, Bully. He's not out there loud and mouthy all the time, you know, and sometimes you have to sort of get stuff out of him. The best one I thought we did was the interview with Bez Labala because Bez is an interesting guy, you know, he's obviously from a totally different background to Crawley um, and the, his journey, the way that he's had to overcome, uh, you know, in, earlier in his career when he was at Birmingham and, and uh, growing up in Leicester and stuff like that. It's brilliant. It's a shame that it stopped, but I can understand why it stopped for a while because, again, there's no, there's, you know, Tom's got running around doing 50 other jobs. The podcast is fairly low on the priority Yeah, it's list. resources, isn't it? But yeah. um, Harry Maynard did the most recent episode, and I've got to say, it's probably the, not, no discredit to you, it was oh, here probably, we go, here we go. Uh, it is was it? a nice little 20 minute episode. It was, I reckon it was the best of the bunch. The, the sound quality was a little bit better. I'll, I'll be honest, it frustrates the hell out of me. It's so easy to get the sound right. You just yeah. need a couple of lapel mics, they're 20 quid each, and that's the most frustrating thing. But um, in terms of a bit of content, I think the one we got with um, Joe Macca and Bully the other day, they just had a little chat. And like I said, it was it was about Harry and their time at the club and Bully did yeah. his best to love. And, and it was just short and simple. I know our podcasts are much longer, but we've got a lot more free reign to talk about whatever we want. There's things yeah. I can talk about here with you that you can't talk about um, in, in, a, in a bit of Bully, that's all. With your commercial hat on, you in. We could maybe hire this kit out to the club for a, sure. for a, a small we, fee. We are here to help, absolutely. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, one thing, the, the, um, the CTSA sponsoring it and getting almost no coverage from it. I always feel a bit sorry for them, actually. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. When I did it, I, we had to add a bit on the end because I'd forgot to even mention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, Sam. Um, but yeah, um, I just hope it continues because I think it's important like what you guys do and what Bit of Bully does because these days there's so little coverage of the club externally, isn't there? I mean, the, the, the local paper is a joke. The Argus don't cover the club anymore. Nothing. We, when we nothing. are a source on the local paper, that's, well, you know, but, you know they haven't even got a dedicated Crawley report. They aren't, they aren't represented, certainly not represented at any away matches anymore and they're very rarely represented. Sometimes they don't even come to home games. I mean, Jonathan's absolutely right there. Five or six times last summer, what we tweeted was their next back page yeah, story know, on, that, know, on their websites. We, we, we became sort of their that, source you know, for information. I'm afraid that's the way that local newspapers are these days. It, it, it's a, you know, they're dying out and it's just how quickly they sort of finish. But uh, going back to what I said right at the start, uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on at Crawley and, 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 and interesting lines and interesting stories. And, and people are interested, you know, people listen to podcasts, they follow Twitter and social media and stuff like that. Uh, you know, we'd only get 2000 people in the ground every week, but there are a lot more people other than, you know, have got a casual. And I think Crawley is that sort of town. Actually, there are a lot of people, football fans who don't necessarily go to Crawley every week because they go up to London and watch or Brighton who are interested in what's, ha- in what's happening at, 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 at their local club. But uh, and on a positive note, I think it's I think it's great that the club do a podcast. I wish it was I wish it was really really good. I'd, I'd really like to listen to it more. Um, and and it's great that they're well, no, trying. No, Harry's there because he's a professional broadcaster and has done it before. Then hopefully it will it will go from. And strength the to intro strength. was really nice and clean as well. I was going to mention it in broadcast buzz, but we'll just sort of do. So it is out. Harry carrying it on from now on? I is think so. Yeah, host? yeah, yeah. He's he's and the you official know what? host. It, it could be really really good. And I'm looking forward to the next one now as well. Um, and it's nice that the club are trying different social media outlets. We had the the in depth with um, Bess Labal. I'm not sure if you've seen it with Tom uh, Cameron did that one. Yeah, and and Tom's a sort of you know Tom came on board last year to help out. He's a university. He can't do it full time, uh, like a full time apprentice, but he's he's very enthusiastic. The only thing, again, you know, you talk about quality of sound and stuff like that. That's wasn't great for the for Tom's uh, interview with Bez, but hopefully they'll take it on board and and, and improve it for the next time. Now we've got some listeners um, questions from listeners. We we've sort of put a few of them into the conversation just as it was flowing there, but um, one of them was from Ruben Watt, and it's a really really simple one. Um, why did you leave after nine years? I know you gone to Brighton. Yeah. Um, so first of all, what are you doing at Brighton? Just and media. What, just media. And what was the what was the reason for leaving Crawley? Well, I'd worked for Brighton on a sort of part time, not part time. I, I used to do when I went in the Premier League. I was doing all their match day accreditation stuff. Um, so I carried on doing that. 
for two or three years, and I know a lot of people at the club anyway. Um, and I just thought, I just didn't think I, I'd, I'd done everything at Crawley. There wasn't really anything more, you know. I couldn't see, uh, you know, there was no new horizon, no new um, owners on the horizon, or no new exciting project. You know, we weren't moving to a new stadium or anything like that. It's, I, I should have probably moved on earlier than I did, to be honest. Uh, you and you know, everywhere you, you've got a shelf life. Um, probably stayed there two or three years longer than I should have. But you know, it's 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 a good club to work for. It's, it's you know, we had a lot of laughs there over the years. Um, we could sit and do a 10-hour podcast with stories and stuff like that. It is, it's a great, you know, some good people working there now. And I do miss miss them, you know. I do miss going in the office every day. But I just needed, a, needed to do something different, to be honest. And it's Premier League. Um, uh, we had a question from Travel Ken yesterday when we were doing the oh, game. Yeah. And he said, what's your fascination, fascination with throwing things in skips? Well, <laughs> I don't like me- I don't like... I don't like mess and I don't like things lying around. When I was sort of, because well, I, I got Ken in actually, because Ken's sort of part time, he does a couple of days a week and he's maintenance and he's brilliant because he's so handy. You know, and I'm hopeless at that sort of thing. So when Kelly said to me, I want you to be general manager, sort of help me with the stadium, bits and pieces like that, the Brighton women's deal, which we did. Um, I said, okay, but I can't fucking, you know, I can't fix this. I can't do that. But I know a man who can and he just retired and it was Ken. But it's a running joke at the club that if I see something, you know, that I think, what's that doing there? I'll just throw it in the skip. He said it is, you can put it on your desk for like two days, gone. Yeah, Bruce, well, where is it? Oh, I've chucked, <laughs> it in the skip. chucked it in the skip. Not quite as bad <laughs> as that. Um, but yeah, good old Ken. He's a good bloke. Um, every club, every every club needs a Ken. Um, so just going back to the initial question there, why did you leave? So you've said why you left. What was the draw from, you're at Brighton now, what was the draw? Was it Premier uh, League football? Um, obviously not yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's because it's further away from home. Yeah, it is. Um, it's completely different to the to League Two, obviously. Uh, working in media in the Premier League, there's a lot more requirements, a lot more stuff that you have to do. Um, but I, I, to be honest, I like it because, I mean, the football is way, way better to watch than, than League Two, obviously, um, which is, you know, and I like watching good football. Um, I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a very well, it's a big club, Brighton. It's a well-run, well very professionally run club. You know, all the, all the right um, infrastructure in place, all the, all the right processes are done in everything you do. Um, yeah, and, and the people I work with, I'm working with Alex again, who's doing all the social media down there. So that's good. We, got a sm- we haven't got a massive team compared to some. I mean, you know, some Premier League clubs operate with media teams of 10 or 12 people. We haven't got anywhere near that. But, you know, everyone works well and gets on and... Now at the club, your um, your title changed a couple of times. Was it communications manager to general manager to media yeah. manager? What was that? Just again, just names. titles in it. I mean, I think you know the only thing I did a bit more when Kelly, um, sort of when uh, Kelly's role became a bit bigger than than it than it had been originally. Uh, when she was doing sort of basically three jobs in one, she needed just some help really. So I would you know, a little th- help her on things like. Um, well, the Brighton thing, for instance, the Bright, you know, when Brighton ladies uh, women's team came to play at Crawley and still are, um, that was a big, that was quite, there was quite a lot of work involved in that. Which uh, I think it's, I know the, a lot of fans don't like it, but I think it, you know, if 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 Brighton were a sponsor of Crawley Town, they would be Crawley's second biggest sponsor. They bring in a lot of money to the football club. They get, you know, they paid for the pitch renovation that was done a couple of years ago. They're probably going to pay for another one this summer. Needs done, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think I've got real. I feel really not sorry for Ben, but because it's his job. But you know, and Ben wouldn't want that. But you know, we've had such a bad winter, haven't we? And if you look, I mean, I'm watching the football league show or whatever it's called now last night, and there are so many. All I mean, look at Newport's pitch. If you think ours is bad, or Salford's or others, it was probably half a dozen. Um, and and the thing with Ben was, we kept saying, I remember in the first half of the season, it seemed to be every Saturday that we played at home, it pissed down, which doesn't help. Um, but that, there's a plan to get it get it all up to a really good standard. And there's been again. about 50 games on it this season there as has. well. And there's no training on there anymore, which used to be a bugbear before. Certain managers used to train on there quite a lot, which would, would, would impact on the on the playing surface. It doesn't look great, the pitch, I agree. Actually, it doesn't play that badly and the drainage is still very well. Not the game this season. No games have been postponed, have they? Um, last couple of questions from fans. A, a young fan here, um, Paul Hayward, asks, <laughs> oh, yeah. how did your tea taste after I dunked your Birmingham shitty mug in the pitch side muddy water? Well, what happened was, <laughs> I knew he'd done it. He didn't think I knew, but I knew he'd done it. And the best thing was, of course, that I replaced that mug um, and Paul effectively paid for it because he was paying my <laughs> wages at the time. 
And um, <laughs> one final one um, before I see if Jonathan's got anything. But uh, another fan, uh, Joe Comper asks, <laughs> I'd like to ask Bruce, what commercial manager did you most enjoy working with? Um, you worked with several. I, work, I've, I've, I don't know who worked. Um, who came after you? Salim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that was, and then, I think I think the polite thing to say about that is it's probably a role that Celine wasn't suited for. <laughs> and then Graham, Graham. Well, I like <laughs> Graham. I like Graham. I've known Graham a long time. I've known Graham and Graham's brother years and years and years. And Graham, um, you know, Graham was a great. We had so many laughs with Graham. You would not believe some of the stuff that used to go on. But Graham and Joe are really good people persons if you know what i mean they're good uh, joe is excellent with sponsors you know he glad you know he talks really well he, he treats them well he's a great community good communicator uh, and it's difficult because you know getting sponsorship to a club like crawley to get some of the deals across the line that joe's done i think as, as, as you know credit to him I, i'm not saying you weren't a bad commercial manager because you were good with people as well and you were good with with sponsors and stuff like that but i think it was a lot easier when you were doing it, than it is now. I know I got the meaty end of the bone. I know <laughs> that for sure. Yeah. Um, I often joke sometimes. I mean, I, I, I'm not a good salesperson. But um, people would come to me with a budget and say, hey, can we spend this with you? Yeah, it, yeah. it was that easy. It was, it, it was, it, it was know, ridiculous, it, it, yeah. It's, it's not yeah. like that now. And, and, and to be fairness to Joe, the, pe- the deal with the People's Pensions and fantastic sponsorship and the other things that he's done. Um, and Graham, you know, Graham got sponsors on board as well. But um, Graham, you know, had a few issues in the end and, and had to leave the club, which was a shame. But Graham was, uh, and Graham was a great, you know, Graham worked hard as a grafter. We had such fun, you know, de- we, you know, even things like things that people don't see, like the day before the first game of the season, going round and putting up every single advertising board oh my or God. moving it. I mean, oh, that Jesus. in the boiling hot, that is not a job for, um, you know, that's a job. That's I'd, gonna, I'd come in on Saturday and Sundays to do that. It, it is an a, absolute. Pain in the arse, yeah, yeah. Just so people listening know that the, all the boards around the stadium that you see all the all the hoardings on, the commercial manager does that. We don't get somebody in to do that. I did that. Joe does that. Uh, it was a horrible job, yeah, but yeah. it's just one of those things you got to got to do, isn't things it? Things like that, yeah. But but um, Graham, they're yeah, all good. All uh, and um, yeah. Uh, and Joe's it's, Joe's Joe's great, and and Tom is really good. As I say, the people working at the club now. They all want the club to do well. Um, Claire is brilliant in the office, and she's helping out. I think now more on the financial side, and the and the and the football sort of manager, you know, the 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 uh, communic not the communications, but the all the paperwork and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I do enjoy. I do miss it. I, I you know, I won't lie. I do. I do sometimes. Yes, I, yeah, I can tell you, smiling throat. Did any of them? Um, who who was the best to go on runs with at lunchtime? Well. Um, the Checker Trade Chasers, I don't know if people are aware of this running club. There were only two members. It was myself and you. And, and um, actually, you and I do, because I, I don't run on roads anymore. I just run on trails and forests I and stuff like that. And you introduced me to that. So I shall always be grateful for you, to you, Ewan, for that. Uh, but I do remember when you had one or two of your health issues, uh, the, the satisfaction I got of beating you, leaving you st- virtually standing at the bottom of that hill on Tillgate on the other side of the uh, motorway. That really steep hill that we used to ride. And yeah. a couple of years ago, this is this this is a story. Harry Kiel's manager and Warren was there, and, and I used to go running at lunchtime. And Warren would see him. He said, "Where do you go running?" So I, I said, "Oh, just over there, the forest and trees." I said, "We'll get the players over there." I won't do an Irish accent. Okay, we'll get the players over there and do uh, do a run. So uh, Harry and took them round Tilgate Lake, and then I took them where that really big slope is on the other side of the, the motorway, and not far, three or four miles, yeah, and. I, and I'm 55, so I was 53 then. There were two players finished behind me, were slower than me, and I was, and I'm 30 years older than them. One of them was Josh Yorworth, which may or not be a surprise to people. <laughs> I can't remember who the other one was, but yeah, I beat two, I was quite, 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 quite two pleasant. professional footballers. Two professional at athletes 53. at 53 <laughs> on a four mile run. I remember, yeah. That was quite. It's probably my greatest achievement at Crawley. And you know what? What probably my greatest memories are runs at lunchtime. It was. It was. I absolutely loved it. Um, Bruce, what does the future look like for Crawley? I'm not after like a Nostradamus thing. I'm oh, just right. you went your career and yeah, your opinions on where Crawley are going as well. Or uh, where can they go? Well, hopefully, I'll, I'll be at Brighton for a, a long, long time. I enjoy working there. Um, hopefully, we'll stay in the Premier League this season uh, for Crawley. It's it's so difficult for, at Crawley because of the fan base, you know. I mean, this season, what, were we nine games unbeaten at home? And the number of fans coming in, I mean, yesterday, what, 1,900 home fans again, a couple of hundred from Oldham or whatever. It's been roughly like that most of the season. 
Crawley people will come out to the big games. We saw it in the two cup ties earlier this season. Football, three of them. Full houses, brilliant. I know the pricing was really good. Uh, all the time you've got that. I mean, even if we got promoted to League One, I'm not sure the crowds would increase massively. We might get two or 300 more people and there'd obviously be bigger clubs coming with more away fans. So you might get the average crowd up to about 3,300 or something like that. But it's it, all the time there's that. Unless you've got an owner who's prepared to put in what Mr. Aaron is putting and maybe double or even tri triple to get better players and get better infrastructure in the training ground. I think for club for Crawley to stay in the league is an achievement. I don't think it should be belittled, you know? One thing Crawley have never done is market themselves particularly far and wide, is it? Uh, I, I know that Tom was trying to do things like that and he, and he stu and still ho hopefully will do in the summer with some of the initiatives that he, that he came up with. I mean, because that's, you know, obviously why he was employed. He had a marketing degree to market the club. Um, and to promote the club, yeah, it probably hasn't enough been done in, a, in the last few years to, to, to market the club. Um, Jonathan, have you got any last questions? Yeah, there's just one or two. I'm conscious of, of time, obviously, but things that were asked on social media is talking about the club doing well. Do you think the current ownership in place at Crawley uh, is right to see the club do well and go up the leagues? Uh, I don't see why not. Um, have they got the budget and the skills to take them where they want them to go, I suppose? Um, they will say yes. Uh, the proof of the pudding will be, you know, how things you know, go. I mean, Mr. Aaron shows, as far as I know, no signs of, of not wanting to be the owner of Crawley Town. You know, he's never, uh, as I say, he's never sort of, um, he's always made his financial contribution and hopefully that will c continue because without it, it would be problems. And if you were manager of Crawley, what would be your recipe for success? Um, I think next season, if I was John Yems, I'd have a, probably a smaller squad than he's got at the moment, maybe 20, 22 players at the most. Um, I think the absolute priority for the club is to get their own training ground. Once they do that, then you can start attracting better players um, as well. Um, market the club better, um, which hopefully Tom will be able to do in the future when he's got less of his other jobs, jobs to do and, you know see where it goes Bruce it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for your time I think we might have to release this as a, a separate interview special um, but your wow. insights are, are fantastic thank you so much um, we're going to get on with the rest of the show are you going to stick around Bruce have you got time yeah of course yeah, what's the time it is 11.43 yeah, when, when does Alison need you back to make lunch uh, well yeah <laughs> okay fine. Um, Bruce for myself and Jonathan thank you so much absolutely fantastic <laughs>